We'll begin from ayah 196. لا يغرنك تقلب الذين كفروا في البلاد. Be not deceived by the movement, by the free movement of who, of those who disbelieve throughout the land. At the conclusion of the surah, at the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa taala mentions three groups of people. First of all, those who disbelieve and their end, and then we will learn about those who believe, those who have fear of Allah and their end. And then we will also learn about the people of the book who believed, who also submitted. With regards to those who disbelieve, Allah says, do not be deceived because of their free movement. لا يغرنك يغرنك is from the root letters غين را را and غرور is to be deceived. Right? Is deception. So do not be deceived by what? By the taqallub. Taqallub from qaf lam ba. Taqallub is basically the constant moving, you know, when something moves back and forth. Okay? This is what taqallub is. The word qalb is also from the same root. Because in your qalb, in your heart, what's happening constantly? Your feelings, your thoughts are constantly going back and forth. Isn't that so? You remember something, you feel something, you forget about it after some time, that thought comes to your mind again, it comes back to your heart again. You're sad or you're happy, and after a few hours, all of a sudden, you're experiencing that wave of happiness again. Right? So, taqallub is the constant moving, going back and forth. So don't be deceived by the taqallub of who? Alladina kafaru of the disbelievers. They're going back and forth where? Fil bilad. Bilad is a plural of balad. وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ Amin From Balam Dal. And what is Balad? A city, a land, an area where people live. So don't be deceived by their movement. What does it mean by this? That they travel about freely, they go from one place to another, they have no restrictions, no difficulties, no fears. If they want to travel to a place, they can go ahead. Remember? These verses were revealed in the context of the battle of Uhud. And soon after the battle of Uhud, many incidents happened. Such as the incident where several companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were traveling in order to meet a group of people and to teach them the deen. But what happened? They were all attacked and were killed. Right? And this happened twice. Two groups of the believers were deceived like this and they were killed. So imagine... Every time a believer left Medina, whether it was a single person or a group of people, if they were traveling somewhere, they would have this fear. Fear for their lives, fear for their security. They felt very vulnerable. Going out meant being open to attack. Because the believer's life was the most cheapest thing at that time. But at the same time, the disbelievers, they were going about freely. They were going about freely. They could travel from one place to another. Nobody would harm them. Even if the Muslims, they had treaties with other tribes, still the Muslim life was not respected. It was not valued at all. Any Muslim would be caught and killed or sold to the mushrikeen and would suffer a lot. Now, these days also you see that you feel that if you have your hijab on and you have to travel across the border then you just have this fear that I'm going to be questioned, I'm going to be interrogated. Even if you have no reason to feel fear, but you feel afraid. Don't you? You do. Or even if you are with a group of people who may be religious, you feel insecure. 
If you're walking with your mom and she's covered from head to toe, you feel kind of insecure. If you're walking with your dad and he's got a big beard, you feel kind of insecure. Right? You know, somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to accuse us of something. You feel threatened. And this is not just in a place where the majority of the people are non-Muslim, but even in Muslim countries. Unfortunately, this is a reality that people who are more serious about their deen, they feel threatened. And this is something that happened long time ago, and this is something that happens today as well. Because such people who embrace the deen, what do they become? Ghuraba. They become strangers. Okay? They become strangers. They're looked at in a weird way. People don't trust them, or people feel threatened because of them. And the reality is that you feel threatened. Right? So the Muslims at that time also, they felt threatened. Now, if you look at other people who are going about freely, and here you are because of your hijab, or a man because of his beard, he feels threatened, then what does he think? That because of the deen, I have to suffer so much. You know, everything was fine before I started wearing my hijab. Everything was fine until my dad grew his beard. Everything was fine until such and such incident happened. So you feel as though you are wrong. You feel as though you should stop doing what you are doing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't be deceived by the free movement of who? Of the disbelievers throughout the lands. They go without any restrictions. They go easily. And here you are facing so much difficulty. You feel threatened because of your deen. Now, what's the deception over here? The deception is that a person begins to think that الَّذِينَ kafaru are right. You know, they're better off. Not you, but they are better off. So you should do what they are doing. This is the deception, that a person begins to imitate them. That for example, a person finds out, oh so and so person, when they were traveling, they took off their hijab and they had no problems at the immigration. So you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. So you start imitating other people. A person says, you know my brother, he had a beard and he was traveling to the States and he was questioned for two hours. So his friend thinks, you know what? Since I'm going to Zal, let me shave it off. Let me shave my beard off, I'll think about it later. No, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And we see, this is not true that every person who practices their religion faces difficulty. I mean, there are so many people who travel back and forth all the time, but alhamdulillah, may Allah protect them, no problems. Right? So, لَا يَغُرَّنَّكَ تَقَلُّبُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فِي الْبِلَادِ Don't be deceived by their affluence, by their prosperity, by their free movement. And because of that, don't begin to imitate them. Don't compromise your deen. Don't think that you are wrong. Don't think that Islam has brought so much difficulty upon you. Because remember we learned earlier, وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيلِ When a person does suffer in the way of Allah, even for that he is rewarded. مَتَاعٌ قَلِيلٌ This is a temporary enjoyment. What is mata'? An enjoyment, a benefit, but Allah describes it as قَلِيل Very little. Meaning if they're traveling right now, if they're going to one place without any restrictions, they're enjoying one thing after the other, how much are they going to enjoy? For how long? Qalil. Qalil, it is less, it is small in its duration, only for a couple of years. Likewise, in its quantity, that enjoyment is very little. And also in the quality, that enjoyment is not as great as the enjoyment of Jannah, the enjoyment in the hereafter. So mata'un qalil, this is the reality of the enjoyment of this world. And remember that mata' is of two kinds. 
enjoyment is of two kinds. One is that of the body and one is that of the soul, of the spirit. That inner satisfaction. Now the physical enjoyment everybody experiences, whether it's a believer or a non-believer person who is very righteous or very sinful, regardless of their spiritual status, everyone experiences physical enjoyment. But when it comes to inner satisfaction, when it comes to true peace and contentment, when it comes to the happiness, the enjoyment of the heart, of the soul, then who can experience that? Only the one who believes in Allah. Only the one who experiences tawakkul. Only the one who sees the fruit of sabr. Only the one who suffers in the way of Allah and he sees the benefits of that. Such is the one who experiences true matar. So matarun qalil, the enjoyment, the physical enjoyment they experience is just very temporary. In Surah Luqman, Ayah 24, we learn, نُمَتِّعُهُمْ قَلِيلًا We are letting them enjoy for some time. And if you think about it, the mushrikeen of Makkah, yes, they had their freedom, they had their luxury, they enjoyed for some time. And how long was that? Only until the victory over Makkah. Only until the conquest of Makkah. Which was how long after Uhud? How many years after Uhud? Hmm? Not that long. After less than a decade, their freedom was done. It was over. So mata'un qalil, summa ma'wahum jahannam, then their abode is a fire, wabi'sal mihad, and how terrible it is as a resting place. Meaning what a terrible resting place it is. The word mihad is from mahd, mim hadal. And mahd is a place that has been prepared for someone to stay at. So this is their final outcome. So what's the lesson that we learn in these verses? That it will happen that when you become serious about your deen, you will suffer. You will feel that you are in a state that is worse compared to other people. One is a person who is not wearing hijab every day, they're wearing new or different earrings and they're matched with their clothes and look at their hairstyle and there you are, doesn't matter what earrings you have or what necklaces you have, you put on your hijab and you go to school and you feel other people are better off. At least they get to enjoy And here you are, because of your hijab, you cannot have fun. Likewise, somebody came and asked me that if you wear your hijab, can you still participate in sports? I said, it depends. Depends on what you're wearing, depends on who the coach is, and depends on who's watching, and depends on who is playing with you. Right? So it really depends on that. And especially if a young woman is good at, for example, basketball, but the coach is a man. Or the people who are watching are men. Okay, until you are very young, okay, it's fine. But as you grow older, there comes a point where you cannot continue, right? You have to find a different environment where you can play such a sport. So isn't this a big test for you? It is. Then you look at other people. And you say, oh, look at them. You know, if I were in their place, I would have done much better. I could have gone into the team and I could have done this. It's because of my hijab that I can't. It's because of this religion, man. It's so difficult. Why does it have to be so hard? Why does it have to be so hard? You go with your friends and they're all eating different kinds of pizzas and there you are with the same plain cheese pizza. Right? Or there you are with the same tuna subway sandwich. So you you do feel left out. You do feel left out. You feel as though when you take your Islam seriously, you cannot have as much fun as the rest of the people. And it is true. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that do not be deceived by this. Do not be deceived by this test. 
This is only something temporary. This is not permanent. You know, I heard a story in a lecture that there was a man who had decided, he had made a commitment that I'm going to build a masjid. Meaning, I'm going to build a masjid with my own money. And because of that, he deferred many things in his life. Obviously, if you are building a masjid, it's going to cost a lot of money. So he deferred many things in his life. Many temptations, many things that he, you know, nice clothes, a watch, a nice pair of shoes, a bike, a car, a nicer house, anything he had to defer it. And he would say, later, later, later. So he got into this habit of, you know, I will have this later, I will have this later, I will have this later. And this is something that we need to remember throughout our lives. That when we see something and we want to enjoy it, but we cannot because taqwa demands we don't, then tell yourself, later inshallah. And when is that? In Jannah. And how is that going to be? Much better. Because the matar of dunya, no matter how much you have it, no matter how much you enjoy it, what's the reality? What does Allah say? It is qalil. It is less. It is small. It's going to be over very soon. I mean, you could play basketball, but for how long? Eventually, the game will be over. Eventually, the sport will be over. Right? Eventually, a time will come when you will have to retire. So really, for 10 years, for 5 years, is it worth that you go ahead and fulfill your wish, you fulfill your desire, even if it means disobeying Allah, and then on the other hand, you earn the anger of Allah? If you compare the two, is it really worth it? Enjoyment of 5 years, enjoyment of 10 years, and on the other hand, the wrath of Allah? Like really, you have to make a wise decision. So ulul albab are who? Those who make a wise decision. That's good for their akhirah. لكن الذين تقوا As for those people, but those people who have taqwa, who fear Allah. اتقوا ربهم They fear their Lord. And remember what taqwa is. What is taqwa? This consciousness, this fear of Allah, taking a shield against Allah's punishment, His anger. And how will that be? By staying away from what Allah has told you to not do. By doing what Allah has told you to do. So if there's something you want to do, you are really attracted to it, you desire it, you love it, it's your passion. You've always wanted to do it, you crave it, but still you stay away from it. Why? Because Allah does not approve of it for you. لَكِنِ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ رَبَّهُمْ And you see, it's as though you are shielding yourself from every side, from every corner. You know, above your head and from your right and from your left and from behind and beneath your feet. You want to go somewhere, you stop yourself. You want to say something, you stop yourself. You want to do something, you stop yourself. It's like you are limited. You don't have your freedom. Right? And this is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said. That this dunya is what? A prison for the believer. This dunya is a prison for the believer. He is restricted in this world. So when you feel restricted then know that this is a reality. But remember that this is temporary. Very soon you'll be out of that. Very soon you'll be out of that prison. So, لَكِنِ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ رَبَّهُمْ For them, لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي For them are gardens. Gardens. Wherein تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنَارِ Underneath which rivers flow. They are restricted over here, but in the hereafter, they will be free. They are controlling themselves over here, but in Jannah, they will be free. Jannat, gardens, tajri min tahtiha al-anha. And you know, if you are 
in a closed place, like for example a building, a house. Do you feel restricted? Yes, no matter how big it is. For example, this hall is quite big. But even when it's empty, there's no one else, if you walk in over here, you will feel restricted. But if you're out in the open, in a garden, in a field, at a park, how do you feel? Free. You feel free. An aquarium, no matter how big it is, it is still small for a fish. And a lake, a pond, the sea, the ocean is big. Because it's vast. So, لَكِنِ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ رَبَّهُمْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Underneath which rivers flow. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Abiding therein eternally. نُزُلًا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ As hospitality from Allah. Specially from Allah. What does نُزُل mean? نُزُل is from the root letters نُنْ زَيْلَام And it is that which is prepared for a guest. Meaning when a guest is coming, whatever you prepare for them, what is that? Nuzul. So hospitality. This includes the food, means through which you're going to entertain them, the place where they're going to sit at, the place where they're going to stay. All of this is included in Nuzul. So what does Allah say? That what has He prepared for the people of Taqwa? What has He prepared as their hospitality? A small place? No. A place like Jannah. A place that is Jannah. An empty garden? Without any fun? Without any beauty? Alone? What fun would that be? No. Jannat tajri min tahtihal anhar. Underneath which rivers flow. And what does it mean by this, underneath which rivers flow? First of all, it tells us about the beauty of Jannah. Secondly, it tells you about the vastness of Jannah. If there is rivers somewhere, not a river, but many rivers, then what does that mean? That that place is huge. If there is a house, and in the backyard, there is a ravine, what does that mean? That the property in the back is Huge. Correct? So, if there are many rivers in Jannah, that shows to us that it's huge, it's vast. And then, min tahtiha, It flows from underneath it. Underneath what? The scholars have said, underneath it refers to underneath the palaces, the houses of the people of Jannah. Okay? Or underneath the trees. Okay? From under the trees, from under their houses, from under their places, the rivers will be flowing. And another meaning that the scholars have given is that this means under their control. Under the control of the people of Jannah. Min tahtiha meaning tahta ahliha. That they will be controlling it. And this is what we learn in Suratul Insan. What do we learn? What's the ayah? Yufajirunaha tafjira. That they will cause it to gush forth wherever they want. If they want the river to go towards the right, they can easily make it go that way. If they want the river to go towards the left, they can make it go that way easily. يُفَجِّرُونَهَا تَفْجِيرًا So, تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Allah says, وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And whatever is with Allah, it is خَيْرٌ It is far better for who? لِلْأَبْرَارِ For those who are righteous. What Allah has as reward, as compensation, is far better than the dunya and everything it contains. For who? For the righteous ones. Because they are the only ones who are going to receive it. Abrar is a plural of bar. And who is bar? Kathirul khair. One who does a lot of good. So those who are righteous, those who obey Allah, those who don't leave out any good deed, they do every good deed that comes their way, that they learn about, for them the reward that Allah has is far better. And this is true. 
You do something good and you see its result in this life. You sit for an exam and you get your good result. You work hard and you get your money. You get your paycheck. What is that? Compensation, reward. But this compensation is of what? Of this life, in this world. There is a compensation that Allah has for those who do good. And when is that compensation going to be given? In Jannah. And that is far better. How is it far better? Because in the Quran we learn, لَهُمْ ما يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ They will have whatever they wish. Whatever they wish. Do you get everything you wish for in this life? No. You could do the most difficult thing. The most hardest thing ever. But do you get everything you want at the end? Never. Never. You ask a person who is working 40-50 hours a week, how much money is he making? 50,000, 60,000, 70,000? Even if he's making 100,000 at the end of the year, if you ask him, would you want more? What will he say? Yes. He will still feel that he's underpaid. Given the amount of work he does, the hard work that he puts in, he will feel that he is underpaid. Because in this dunya, you cannot have everything that you wish. Where will that be? In Jannah. So this is why the reward that Allah has, that is the best. And you don't just have everything you wish for, but Allah has even more. More than what? More than what you can imagine. More than you could wish for. More than you could even think about. Which is why in a hadith we learned that when the people of Jannah are in Jannah, Allah will ask them if they want something. He will repeatedly ask them. And they will say, we have everything. Just like the shuhada, even they are asked. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell them that I have bestowed my hidwan upon you. Meaning that I am now happy and pleased with you and so I will never be angry with you. I will never be upset with you. I will never disapprove of you. Now I am fully and completely happy with you. And this is the best blessing that a person could get. This is the best reward that a person could get. وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيد And also mazid is, some scholars have said it refers to the reward of looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a reality that the reward that Allah has is far better for the abrar. Everybody cannot have that reward. If you want that reward, then what's necessary? Bir, righteousness. وَإِنَّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ And indeed from the people of the book, Laman surely is one who yu'minu billahi. He believes in Allah. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the people of the book. After mentioning the end, the consequence of the disbelievers, and the consequence of those who believe, Allah also mentions a third group of people. And who are they? The people of the book. And Allah praises them over here. What? That from the people of the book are who? Laman surely, the one who yu'minu billahi, who believes in Allah. The people of the book, the Ahlul Kitab, the Jews and the Christians, do they believe in Allah? Do they all believe in Allah? Yes, they do. But the description that is given over here, we should read on. What does Allah say? وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ And they also believe in that which was revealed on you. What does that refer to? The Qur'an. Meaning there are some individuals from the people of the book who believe in Allah and they also believe in that which was revealed on the Prophet 
and وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ And they also believe in that which was sent to them, meaning the Torah and the Injil. This is their belief. When it comes to their actions, خَاشِعِينَ لِلَّهِ They're humble, submissive, fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خَاشِعِينَ is a plural of خَاشِعِ And who is خَاشِعِ? One who has خُشُور One who submits out of fear in humility. Like خُشُور in salah. What is خُشُور in salah? That you are humble, meaning you are submissive in your posture. That your head is bent down, your shoulders are bent down, you're not standing arrogantly, you're standing with humility. Why? Out of fear. So khashi'ina lillahi, they are fearful of Allah. So it is such fear that is outwardly manifested. Because there are many people who claim, you know, I fear God, and that fear is in my heart. But that fear should illustrate on the tongue, shouldn't it? If it's true fear, it will come out on the tongue. So the tongue will be controlled. It will come out on the limbs. It will come out in the actions. It will come out in the way that a person looks at something and what he looks at and what he does not look at. So the fear should be outwardly manifested. So all the people of the book are those who are truly fearful of Allah. And because of that fear, لا يشترون بآيات الله ثمنا قليلا They do not purchase in exchange for the verses of Allah a petty price, a small price. Meaning they don't sell, they don't give up the book in order to gain a worldly benefit. They don't compromise on religion in order to get a worldly benefit. لا يشترون بآيات الله ثمنا قليلا Meaning such do not tamper with the text of the scriptures. They do not hide it. They do not conceal it. They do not reject it just to get worldly benefit. No, they believe in it and they act upon it. And remember that part of the text of the scripture is what? That which mentions Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they don't sell that, meaning they don't give it up. So this means that they believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. لا يشترون بآيات الله ثمنا قليلا أولئك لهم أجرهم عند ربهم. Those people, their reward is with who? With their Lord, with Allah. Meaning Allah will definitely reward them. إن الله سريع الحساب. Indeed, Allah is swift in the reckoning. What does it mean? That when Allah begins to take the account of someone, then He is very quick. Sari'ul hisab does not mean that Allah will immediately take the account because the person might say, well, it's been so many years since those people died, but they're not really in Jannah yet. A person is sinning for so many years, but Allah doesn't hold them accountable immediately. So what does it mean by sari'ul hisab? That once Allah will begin to take the account, then very quickly it's over. For example, we learned that on the day of judgment, how long is the day of judgment? 50,000 years, right? People will have to wait for so long before the actual judgment will begin. They will run to Adam, they will run to Nuh salam. they will run to so many prophets, one after the other, begging them, requesting them, that please ask Allah to begin the judgment. That send us to our destination, even if it means hellfire, we're done with waiting. We can't wait anymore. And then when Allah will begin the judgment, then it will be over so quickly, like you begin something in the morning and by noon, everything's done. So in half a day, all of mankind will be sent to their final destination. إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَرِيعُ hisab. Why is this mentioned over here? That Allah rewards quickly. And Allah, the punishment also that a person deserves, how long can it be deferred? How long can it be delayed? Eventually, 
it will come. Inna Allah sariul hisab. So anyway, what do we learn in this ayah about the justice of Allah subhanahu wa taala? In the surah, we learned many things about the people of the book. Correct? We learned about many things concerning the people of the book. So Allah subhanahu wa taala, with His justice, He praises those who deserve praise. That all of the people of the book are not the same. That if the truth is presented, they're arrogant and they reject it. No. Of the people of the book, also those who surrender. Those who submit. But who can submit? The one who is humble and submissive. Khushur. So we have also learned about many things in this surah. But who will surrender? Who will obey? The one who is fearful of Allah. And how can a person be fearful of Allah? When he remembers the last day that Allah is Sari'ul Hisab. In Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 159, Allah says, وَمِنْ قَوْمِ مُوسَىٰ أُمَّةٌ يَهْدُونَ بِالْحَقِّ وَبِهِ يَعْدِلُونَ Of the people of Musa alayhi salam, meaning Bani Israel, are a group who, who guide by the truth and they judge by it. They live by the book. And we see that there were people at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, such as Abdullah bin Salam, who did embrace Islam. Likewise, An-Najashi, he also embraced Islam, which is why when he passed away, the Prophet ﷺ prayed his janazah, because he had embraced Islam. So all of the people of the book are not the same. At the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the believers. Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ amanu, O you who have believed. Remember the statement of the companion? That when you hear these words in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا When you hear Allah calling you by your iman, that O oh, one who has faith, then what should you do? What should you do? Listen attentively. أَرْعِهَا سَمْعَك Listen attentively. Why? Because it is either something really good that Allah is telling you about, that you have to do, you cannot miss it, or it is something very bad that Allah is stopping you from. So you better pay attention. Listen attentively. This is a very important instruction. So, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. What does Allah say to us? Isbiru. Be patient. Have sabr. Be patient. Have sabr. Persevere. What does sabr mean? Habsun nafs. To control oneself. It is to control oneself. To hold oneself back. It's like you want to do something, but you restrain yourself. Imagine you're holding the leash of an animal that wants to run, but you hold it back. So you don't let it run away. It wants to pounce. It wants to jump. It wants to attack. It wants to climb. But you're holding the leash and you pull it back so it cannot do what it wants to. This is what habs is. Habsun nafs. This is what sabr is. But sabr, in sabr, no one else is holding your leash. Where is it? It's in your own hands. This is why Allah says, Isbiru. Hold yourself back. Control yourself. You know, sometimes, other people stop us from doing something wrong or from saying something wrong. Does it happen? For example, you're sleeping away. You don't want to get up and pray. And your mom's on your case. Get up and pray Fajr. Get up and pray Fajr. So she comes and turns on the light first of all. And then she comes and pulls off your blanket. And then she comes and shakes you. Okay? 
And then she goes and plays some recitation or some du'as or something really loud. So you're so uncomfortable. Or she'll come and open the windows. Or you know, she'll do something. She'll make sure that you do it. She'll get on your case. But this cannot happen until forever. Okay? This cannot happen until forever. Until a certain point in time, your mother will be there telling you. And then a time will come when the control will be in your hand. When you make the decision yourself. When you have to tell yourself to do something, or when you have to stop yourself from doing something. So Allah tells us, Isbiru, grow up, mature, and have patience. Isbiru, do sabr over what? Do sabr over everything that demands sabr from you. Everything that demands that you control yourself. Every situation that necessitates that you hold yourself back. And what is that? What is that situation? Every situation that goes against your desire. Okay? That goes against the desire of your nafs. So for example, you want to sleep. That's your desire. That's your wish. That's what your body wants. That's what your soul wants. What is sabr over there? You control that desire and you get up and pray. Okay? Likewise, you're getting ready. Okay? Your hair looks so nice. And your earrings look so nice. Perfectly match your sweater. Whatever. And you don't want to put on the hijab. You don't want to. Because you look so beautiful. And you're going to look so awkward if you put that hijab on. All of a sudden, one day this girl walks in with the hijab on. Until today there was nothing and today she walks in. You don't want to. Your desire says what? Don't put it on. But what does Allah say? Isbiru, have sabr. Hold that desire, control it. Limit it. Don't follow your desire. You have to control yourself over there. So this is what sabr is. Isbiru. Do sabr over every situation that demands sabr from you. And that is every situation that goes against your desire. And remember that this is in three ways. Okay? First is undoing good deeds. On doing good deeds, on performing acts of obedience, whether it is, you know, obligations like salah, hijab, or it is, you know, something, a voluntary good deed that you want to do, and your nafs doesn't want to do it. Your heart doesn't want to do it. You just don't feel like it. Do you ever hear such things from your own self? I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like doing my lesson. I don't feel like going to class. Do you have such thoughts? Yeah, I do sometimes. I'm sure all of you do. I don't want to. I don't want to get up. What does Allah say? Isbiru. You have to control yourself over there. Your desire doesn't want to let you, but you have to go against your desire. You have to stop yourself. Secondly, sabr is also over ma'asi. What is ma'asi? Disobedience. That you want to disobey. You want to Look at something that you should not be looking at. You want to read something that you should not be reading. You want to go with someone and you know that you should not be going with them. You want to sit with someone and talk to them when you know that you should not be doing that. You want to answer back to your mom. You want to you know, yell back at her. You want to strike your sibling. You want to hit them. You want to push them away. You want to say something really nasty to them so they don't come to you and bug you again. You want to, right? 
So what is sabr then? That you control yourself. Hold your reins. Hold your leash. Pull back. Don't let your nafs go. Don't let your nafs rule. You rule over it. Thirdly, sabr is also over masaib, over difficulties. In the face of afflictions, what are difficulties? Things that go against your desire. You want that there should be no dishes in the sink, but you come and there are so many dishes in the sink. You want the food should cook quickly, but it's not cooking quickly. You want that your assignment is done very quickly, but it's taking ages. You want that somebody should not call you, but they're calling you. Okay? You want that there should be no snow, but there is snow. You want that there should be no rain, but there is rain. You want that your headache should go away, but it's there. You want that your body is not tired, but it is tired. Right? What are these difficulties? You want that your friends are always there with you, but they can't be. You want that a certain individual who has passed away, who has died, does not die, but they're gone. So sabr over masaib, over difficulties, that you control yourself over there as well. Your desire, your wish, your want is to have something, but Allah decides otherwise. You don't want to have something, but Allah decides otherwise. So you have to do sabr over there too. And what's the sabr over there? Accept Allah's decree. Just accept that it's going to take 30 minutes for that water to boil. Okay? Just accept that while you're standing in the shower, somebody turned the dishwasher on or the machine on, and so the water pressure is not that great anymore. Just accept it. And don't yell. And don't start screaming. And don't start yelling. Okay? This is what sabr is. Isbiru. Have patience. Control yourself. And the fact is that life is difficult. There are challenges for every single person. It's not easy for anyone. A poet said, فَيَوْمٌ عَلَيْنَا وَيَوْمٌ لَنَا A day goes against us and a day is in our favor. You know, one day everything is working in our favor and the other day it's like everything is falling apart. يَوْمٌ عَلَيْنَا وَيَوْمٌ لَنَا وَيَوْمٌ وَيَوْمٌ One day we are made unhappy and the other day we are happy. So every day you experience something new. You go through different challenges. You go through different difficulties and tests. So then what do you need to survive? To deal with stress? To not have stress? Sabr. Can you do without sabr? If you don't have sabr, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. You're going to ruin your relationships. You're going to get depressed. You're going to have serious anger management issues. Really, you will. You will have serious language problems. Isn't that so? So there's no way but sabr. Without sabr, you cannot survive. You have to have patience. And although it is extremely hard, but remember that when you put the end result in front of you, then it becomes easier. And you have to keep telling yourself, sabr, sabr, sabr. A poet said, وَصَبْرُ مِثْلُ اسْمُهُ مُرٌ مَذَاقَتِهِ Sabr is just like its name. It's very bitter in its days. It's not easy. So if someone says sabr is so hard, yes, it is very hard. لَكِنْ عَوَاقِبُهُ أَحْلَى مِنَ الْعَسَلِ But its result is sweeter than honey. Its fruit, its end result is sweeter than honey. It's the best thing that you can get. But without sabr, you can't get that experience. This is why Allah says, Isbiru, have patience. Now remember the incident of Badr. Remember the incident of Bi'ir Ma'una. What do you need? Sabr. 
The Prophet ﷺ's son died, Ibrahim, and he was very sad and he was crying. But he did not say anything that Allah does not approve of. So you will go through difficulties. What is needed? Sabr. And then, وَصَابِرُوا Don't just have sabr, but also sabiru. Sabiru is also from sabr. What's the difference between isbiru and sabiru? Sabiru is from musabara. And just like the word qital, okay, or jihad, you see there's competition. Okay? Like qital is when one is trying to kill someone and the other is trying to kill him. Jihad is one person is struggling against someone and the other is struggling against him. Alright? So likewise, sabiru is when a person is being patient, is dealing with sabr when he is being attacked by another. So sabiru meaning deal with sabr. When problems come your way, when people come in your way, when certain situations and circumstances come your way that go against your nafs, then you have to deal with it. With which weapon? Patience. So musabara is to face with patience those who oppose you. Okay? The challenges that come your way. So for example, you're driving and you're getting late and as you approach the traffic light, what do you see? A red light. Okay. So what do you need over there? How do you deal with that red light? Man! Bang the steering wheel and ouch! Yeah? Is that sabiru? No. That red light is coming against you. You have to deal with it with what? With sabr. Like, okay man, I'm here too. And I'm also doing dhikr of Allah. And you start doing istighfar. And then within a few seconds, you have your way and you can go. This is what sabiru is. There is a person who annoys you, like really annoys you. You really get irritated. You know like some people, you can tolerate them and there are other people who just, just the sight of them bugs you. Okay, because you know that they're going to say something or they're going to do something that is just going to drive you crazy. Okay? So when you see them, when you see them coming your way, they're coming to you to talk to you, then sabiru, deal with them with what? Sabr. That as you see them approaching, as you see younger brother approaching, okay, looking at you with your ice cream cone, you know you're, they're going to ask you, I want it. Okay? So as you're coming towards you, like, okay, I'm also going to have sabr. Somebody is coming towards you, you know they're going to say something nasty, like, okay, go ahead and say what you have to say, I'm going to deal with sabr too. You have words, I've got sabr. You have something to do, something to say, I've got sabr. This is what sabiru means. That when problems are coming your way, you display sabr. You deal with them with patience. And it's basically to fight the problem with patience. This is the weapon that you have. So for example, at a battle, when the enemy is coming against you, then what do you need to deal with the enemy? Sabr, right? So face them with patience. This is the reason why Allah says, وَلَا تَهِنُوا فِي الْقَوْمِ don't weaken, don't become weak when in approaching the enemy, meaning in fighting them. In takunu ta'lamuna, if you suffer pain, fa'innahum ya'lamuna kama ta'lamun. Then they also suffer pain just like you suffer pain. وَتَرْجُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَرْجُونَ But you hope from Allah that which they don't hope. 
You expect reward from Allah. So they're coming, they're so determined, but you need to be more determined then. Don't let them be more patient than you. Because the one who is harming you, the one who is annoying you is also being patient, remember. Okay? It's not easy to harm someone. It's not easy to annoy someone. Okay? So they're being patient in their own way. And you have to be patient in your own way. Isbiru wa sabiru. And then sabiru also means that together, all of you collectively be patient, meaning encourage one another to be patient. So one meaning is that deal with patience. And the other meaning is that tell one another to be patient. Allah says, وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ You have to encourage one another to be patient. So, the first sabr, isbiru, is what? Just do sabr over the matters that are between you and your nafs, your personal challenges. Sabiru is when they're external challenges. Okay? Sabr is to deal patiently with what? With internal challenges. Because it's that which contradicts the nafs, the desire. And sabiru is against what? External challenges. And then warabitu. Rabitu is more specific. That you remain stationed. Rabata is to bind, to tie something up. So murabata is to hold oneself, to bind, to tie oneself up, you know, on something, to something. To tie oneself up to something. So bind yourself, tie yourself to what? To acts of obedience, to that which Allah wants you to do. Tawus, a great scholar, you know what he did? He tied himself in the masjid, Masjid al-Haram. Why? So that he could not leave the masjid. He tied himself in the masjid so that he could not leave the masjid at all, so that he would spend all of his time in the masjid studying, worshipping, whatever. So sometimes you have to do that. Rabitu. My mother, she tells me about how when she was in university, she would stay in her room in order to study and she would have her friend lock the door from outside. So that A, she could not go and B, anybody who would come to ask her something or talk to her about something would think, oh, she's not there. So sometimes you have to tie yourself to something physically, okay? Why? To ensure that you will do it. To ensure that you will get your work done. So rabitu, bind yourself to ta'at, to acts of obedience. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is a hadith in Bukhari, that should I tell you about actions with which Allah forgives sins and raises the grades? What are they? First of all, performing perfect ablution in unfavorable conditions. So for example, when it's extremely cold, or when the water is less, or when you're so sleepy and tired, you don't want to do wudu. But doing wudu at such a time? Secondly, the many steps that one takes to the masjid. For some people it takes 2 minutes to get to the masjid. Other people take 5 minutes. Other people take 15 minutes to drive to the masjid. Some people come 10 minutes drive to the institute. Other people come 40 minutes drive to the institute. So taking many steps to the masjid. And thirdly, awaiting prayer after the prayer. Meaning waiting for the next salah after one salah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, This is ribat. This is ribat. This is ribat. Meaning this is tying yourself to good deeds. Can you do wudu easily when it's difficult? It's not. When the water is freezing cold, when you're really sleepy, it's not easy to do that. What can make you do? When you've tied yourself, that I have to do it. You don't give yourself an option. That I'm bound to it. 
سَرَّابِطُوا Hold yourself. And the same word is also used for, ribat is also used for war preparation. It's used for protecting and guarding the borders. And the Prophet ﷺ said, a day of ribat, meaning guarding the borders, in the cause of Allah, is better than this life and all that is in it. So رَابِطُوا Remain stationed. Guard the Muslim lands as well. The Prophet ﷺ said, ribat for a day and a night is better than fasting the days of a month and its qiyam. If one dies in ribat, his regular righteous deeds that he used to perform will keep being added to his account and he will receive his provision and will be saved from the trials of the grave. So what are the two meanings of rabitu? First of all, tie yourself to the performance of good deeds. And this shows determination, this shows regularity, consistency, that no matter how hard it is, a person still does it. And you know when you have scheduled something, when you have bound yourself to a routine, then it happens. And when there is no routine, when you haven't bound yourself to something, then that work will never happen. For example, if you have a tajweed class, you go for an hour every day. You will study Qur'an for an hour, you will recite it for an hour. But if you don't have a tajweed class, will you recite Qur'an for an hour every day? No. So rabitu, you have to tie yourself to such things to make yourself do it. And the second meaning is in particular of guarding the borders. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ And fear Allah. Again, have fear of Allah. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you can be successful. So at the end of the surah, Allah tells us about success. That how can you be successful at the individual level, at the collective level? What do we learn in this ayah? Be patient. In the face of internal challenges. Be patient in the face of external challenges. And bind yourself to good things, to good places, to good people, so that you can do something good. If you don't tie yourself, if you let yourself loose, then what will happen? Your nafs will desire more freedom. Isn't it so? If you don't have any schedule, no school, no routine, and you're sleeping, then you will sleep more than you need, more than you want even. Correct? So you have to tie yourself to something so you can make something of your life. Fear Allah. Only then you can be successful. And this is the conclusion, the final advice that we learn in Surah Ali Imran. And in Surah Ali Imran, there were many things that we saw. First of all, the incident of the people of Najran. Many verses that were revealed concerning that. Then we also learned about the battle of Uhud. Many verses were revealed in the context of that. And in the middle, we learned about who? Or rather, at the beginning, we learned about Ali Imran. And who was that? That story began from who? A woman. Right? It began from a woman. And when can a woman be successful? When she has sabr internally, externally, when she ties herself to good things, she fears Allah, and then she is successful. Any successful person, you will see this in their life. And we see that the next surah is which one? An-Nisa. So it begins with a woman, okay? The wife of Imran. And then the next surah is An-Nisa. Let's listen to the recitation. لا يغرنك تقلب الذين كفروا في البلاد متاع قليل ثم مأواهم جهنم وبئس المهاد 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh How do you feel that now you have completed a third surah in the Quran? Alhamdulillah, mashallah, Allah has chosen you I pray that you'll uh, be able to implement what you have learned and share it with others insha'Allah You ready for your reflection? So when I first started out with that, um, I didn't know what I was going into. And because of um, that, I took the class very lightly. But now that I'm in the course for almost two years, I realized how much benefit it brings to me and how how many different aspects there are to it. But since I took the class lightly in the beginning, I thought I lost a lot of the charm that Al-Huda has. And our class goes very fast, and sometimes I can't take all the notes. And I look at the GI's notes, and they're very uh, well-organized and uh, well-written. And I see mine, and they're not that good. Inshallah, when I finish the course, I want to volunteer at Al-Huda. So I have to work harder to uh, gain that. May Allah give me the strength. Uh, when I first came to Al-Huda, I thought it, the course would just be something I did in my free time. But now I have to make time for it. And when I study it and I do my lesson every night, um, I have to work hard for it. And been it's part of my life now. One of the biggest changes from the beginning of the course is that I had um, a group where a lot of different people had different experiences. But now I'm in a group where a lot of my the people are um, are going through high school and I can relate to them and I can share and I when we have fun kind of in groups a lot of the lessons that we learn in class and a lot of the examples that the teacher gives I can relate to and I understand whenever I go home I have this inter, um, this determination like I want to go change myself but when I go home it's different and I just lose that feeling and inshallah I want the I have to work on finding motivation and being able to use these new um, lessons and skills in my daily life. And inshallah, may Allah give us the strength and to give uh, to get all the benefits that we can from this course. Assalamualaikum. Jazakumullah khairan. But I was just wondering if anybody had anything you want to share with us? Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Leila, and before my name was Olga. Originally, I'm from Russia, 
and I would like to share a story about myself, how I converted to Islam, but I would like to use the word I reverted to Islam, because everybody born Muslims, as we know, right? And I reverted to Islam through Allah uh, around five years ago, and I found myself, and I found peace in my heart, and I'm really very happy. I really appreciate it. I found this place. I found this school, and, and I'm so happy to be here. When I converted to Islam, I slowly, slowly started to learn about Islam. First of all, I married a Muslim man, and then I started to learn slowly, slowly. And I really appreciate it. Allah brought me to the center of Islam, to Saudi Arabia, when my Islamic life started. And slowly I started to learn there as well, and I was really happy. I started to learn how to pray, and my parents-in-law teach me a lot. And then Allah brought me to Canada. Then being in Canada, Allah changed me a lot here. Especially many signs I get here, many true dreams, message dreams about hijab. I used to pray. I was a good Muslim, but I was not covering myself. And I realized Allah tried to show me the way. Allah tried to push me to be a real Muslim. And I saw a message dream. It was really an amazing dream. Ten days before that dream happened, I saw uh, one of my friends invite me for fashion show to be a model, to show uh, Pakistani wedding dresses and something like that. Then I told her, yes, sure, I will try to think about And ten days before that fashion show started, Allah sent me a message dream about hijab. In my dream, one angel, it was a beautiful lady who was wearing white hijab. She came to me and she told me, but in my dream, fashion show started. And she told me, you in this life, not for this. Please go and tell them you will not do this. And then the models, they came to me and they told me, Please get ready, it's your turn. But it, this is my dream. I told them, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. I don't want to do that. And she told me, that's a very good decision. Allah love you, and now you have to wear hijab. And then I told her, yes, for sure, I will do that. Then I woke up, and I realized I have to wear hijab. It's around one year I'm wearing hijab, and my iman is growing, and I feel... So happy to be here and meet all of you. And I really enjoy Al-Huda School. And I always telling my friends to come. And Alhamdulillah, through my lectures and my knowledge, what I know, my father converted to Islam two weeks ago. And my mother also, she converted to Islam two years ago, and my sister as well. And I'm really happy. Allah show us the way, and I try to help people how much I can, invite them to Al Huda School as well. Thank you. Jazakallah uh, khairan. May Allah subhanahu wa taala keep guiding, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.